0: Hey everybody, thank you for joining us again here with another episode of Pursuit of Purpose. Uh, I'm Robbie. Up, Chuck. And today we have with us a very special guest. I'm gonna let her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about herself.
1: Tara Marshall. Uh, a little bit about myself. I um, have my doctorate in organizational management and mother of two beautiful children, and just work to pursue my lifelong purpose of whatever God has for that to be.
0: Love it. Yeah. Very good. Yep. What is a doctorate in organizational management?
1: Systems and processes. And so um, my master's was in educational administration and then curriculum instruction. And what I learned is that I don't really like the um, just knowing about the at the assessment part of it, but I wanted to know the why behind it. Oh. And so the Ph.D. is the why behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, the system and structures that build build the processes, and then what makes the organization strong or what makes the organization weak.
0: Very good. Yes. Very good. So where are you from? Where were you born?
1: So I was born in Galveston. Um, I was here until about third grade, and then my parents decided to move us out to Mesquite, Texas. So grew up in Mesquite, went to Beasley-Kimbrough-Poteet High School, and uh, lived in Dallas until... I was probably in my early college years, then uh, became a single mom and moved back to the Southeast Texas area.
0: Okay, so that's one thing I was going to ask. You said I was here until about the third year.
1: Here, here in Southeast Texas. There we go. But in that process, uh, so my daughter was actually born in New York. She was born. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, I lived in the West End for about two years uh, of New York, and that was pretty amazing. But so culturally, um, I've been a little bit of everywhere.
0: Sounds like You've got some experience under your belt. So since you talked about you were born in Galveston, you're a Southeast Texas girl. What was life like in your childhood home? Can you describe that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So uh, growing up in Southeast Texas, you know, over 30 years ago, I used to with a lot of um, diversity issues, mm-hmm. right? I'm from China, Texas specifically. And okay. I remember growing up, you had blacks on one side of the tracks and you had whites on the other side of the tracks. Mm-hmm. Well, my dad is black and my mom is white. And so uh, growing up, I lived on the black side of the track. Right. So going to China Elementary, which is predominantly a black school, then um, fitting in was always a challenge for me because I wasn't ever black enough for the blacks. And then I wasn't really white enough for the whites. Mm -hmm. And so you find yourself constantly um, kind of trying to figure it out. Right. My parents did a great job of reminding me that I had an identity outside of being black or white but they had to consistently give us that identity because when you go to school, you still face it, right? You get the comments, you get things about your hair, you get things about the way you look or things about your dad's color, your mom's color. Um, And so growing up, that was, I think, one of my biggest challenges growing up in such a small town in this area. Uh, So I think that that's why they made the transition to take us to a more diverse area.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Went out in the in the country a little, a little even more.
1: Yeah, we went to well, wow. we went to Mesquite, and so it was pretty big, right? Um, we had what I went from a what three school I think HJ was at that time to a five A high school, so it was a huge jump in transition. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. So, what were you involved in in school?
1: A little bit of everything. Um, I played basketball. That was my love. That was my passion. Uh, Cheered a little bit. I was a basketball player trying to cheer, though, so it did not go well. And uh, just really just sports and athletics.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. Uh, So you said us. Are there siblings?
1: We have lots of siblings. My dad, um, if you ever ask him. About his past, he'll tell you, it was the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up in China, Texas with a brother, true story, across the street and a brother down the street. Um, he, you know.
0: Really big backyard. Yeah, he
2: really did his, thing. Um, <laughs> he did his thing. He did his thing.
1: his <laughs> thing. So we, my mom always told us, this is the truth, you can't make this up. My mom told him that as long as one never came that was younger than hers, she was fine. They were married for 37 years before he passed away, okay. but um, he had a total of 13 kids.
0: 13. Wow. Yeah.
2: 13. Do you have a relationship with all of them? Yes. That's amazing. It that is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And most of them still in our region here? Yes.
1: They're okay. all mostly down here and then in Austin.
2: In Austin. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, it, in your home, you said, no longer than mine. Yes. So, yeah, so my
1: parents had three girls. Three
2: girls. Yes. Okay. And I'm the
1: middle of the three girls. You're
2: the middle of the three. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Sounds like then the three girls of you were pretty close to. We are. Okay. Uh, and we talked a little bit about diversity. Uh, you know, was there diversity also among the other 10 siblings?
1: Yeah. So okay. my dad, um, so my mom was the only um, white woman. Mm-hmm. And so the rest of my siblings were all African American. Okay. And so, yes, great diversity there. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Did you get picked on by the other siblings?
1: Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Like,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I was told I was a milkman's so, um, that I wasn't. <laughs>
2: oh my word. Okay. <laughs> but,
1: yeah, because I was the fairest of them all. Uh, but yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: The fairest no. of them all. I yeah, love that. that I is too. awesome. I too. So the other, the others that were in the house with you. Yeah. Uh, what's the gender mix?
1: We're all three girls.
0: Bless your parents' yes. heart. Yes. Yeah. I can, I can relate to that. I, I, there are five females in my house with only three males, so we are extraordinarily outnumbered. Extraordinary. Uh, much like your dad was. Yeah. So, <laughs> what was discipline like in the home?
1: My dad was super strict. Um, and I think, honestly, after having 10, he was pretty much done. So we were uh, very, very structured. Um, he, you know, old school discipline mentality, right? He uh, did Absolutely, I Very did.
0: Very good. Very good. <laughs> yes, I
1: think that they were, you could have definitely called them safe. <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. I got whooping <laughs> yeah. You
1: yes. were definite deep whoopings. Okay. Yeah.
0: okay, okay. Do you look back on that childhood uh, and in that household and consider it to be one of the foundational things that built you?
1: Absolutely. That yeah. type
0: of discipline and upbringing?
1: Yeah, you know, I love him to death, right? He's not with us anymore, but one of the things that you can either look at and you could use it as a negative aspect, or you can use it as something to drive you. And yes, he was brutal. I mean, today, I think you would probably call it borderline emotionally abusive, Mm -hmm. Um, probably majorly emotionally abusive, but at the same time, it allowed me to have a level of perfectionism within my own personality. Right. I feel like I'm a strong Enneagram one and that's a deep, innate trait that is built. Right. Right. Um, and so the goal was obviously always not to mess up because you didn't want to get any fussing. You didn't want to get the yelling. You didn't want to get the wrath. And so the goal was to do right mm. all the time. Mm. And so I have definitely still to this day uh, to taken that. And it is a definite deep personality.
0: Based on that, what you just described, I don't know. You may have not thought of this before, but when you're undergoing a task and you feel that sense of perfection or whatever it is, perfectionism that, that you're working with, whose voice do you hear in your head? It is
1: for sure. Yeah. And to be honest, um, there's little things that I'll hear and still have processed them to be my own. And then I'll catch myself saying them to my children. So I have had to be very intentional with my parenting, uh, on how to not parent, but also take the same qualities and the strengths that he did teach me and do them the right way. Right. Mm-hmm. So communicate them in the proper way uh, with the same principle, because I know it was out of love. It's just that's the only way he knew how to communicate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So comparatively, what do you think his intent was for you and your sisters?
1: Always to make me better. Okay. I think that he, because he had three girls, I think his goal was for us to be able to stand on our own two feet. Yeah. And so that he wouldn't have to worry about us. Um, and I think a lot of the anger was because it was his way of being worried. And he only knew how to show it in one emotion.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, so I do know that it was tried trying to motivate us, even though sometimes it probably did the opposite.
2: Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was the goal.
2: Uh, so, so let's take that, uh, I guess implantation of dad's, you know, will, and obviously you embraced it at some point, And then you started pursuing your own personal development. Walk us down that.
1: So I always wanted to be a doctor, I always wanted to be a medical doctor. I've said it since I was 12 years old, Dr. Zaley here in Beaumont, she was an orthopedic hmm. and I saw her drive her little fancy two seater BMW. And I was like, I want to be her when I grew up, I want to be her and, um, went to Baylor was pre-med and life happened. Um, you know, I, my grade suffered a little bit, of course, just my daughter met my uh, daughter's father Mm -hmm. and life took an alternate route. And so, because life took an alternate route, I ended up just like leaving and went to New York and, you know, had my daughter and totally ditched school for about seven months. And, um, it wasn't until I had her that I realized, like, I, I I have goals. Yes, this is fun. Yes, this is all the great things. But I have goals that I want to accomplish. Mm. And so um, I made the decision to move back to Texas. And, uh, of course, my daughter came with me. He stayed in New York. And I continued to go to school. And so I was 21 and had my little girl and finished um, my degree and started coaching when became a PE teacher. And I chose that route because I was able to be there for her, but I was also doing something that I felt was honorable and meant something and that I could find passion and pursuit in. And so um, did that, then was told one day, why don't you need to become an administrator? Like you are so organized, you're so well structured, you're so well versed, you need to become an administrator. And so I went to go get my master's in education administration. And then I was like, well, I've only been a coach and a PE teacher. Like, I need some street credit, right? So I need some street credit if teachers are going to actually listen to me. So I went back and got my curriculum instruction master's Mm -hmm. and um, then went to go teach English and wanted to continue pursuing that. Uh, I said I was going to be a doctor. That was a written goal for me. And just because I didn't go to medical school doesn't mean that I can't be a doctor.
0: Right.
2: Absolutely. And
1: so um, I went back and I went to Abilene Christian University and got my doctorate in organizational management system structures.
2: So Abilene, uh, all the way to Abilene, or you did this online at the time? I point? did it
1: online. It was okay. a hybrid. Yeah. So you would have to do some online then the noon hall. So I have to do some in person. Right. Um,
2: now, were you back in class. Mosquito or were you working here?
1: No, I was here. Okay. Yeah. So I was here. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because that's quite a trek to the other side of Texas. Yes, it is.
1: Graduation was <laughs> 12 hours. Yeah.
2: Yes, yes. So you were doing
0: all this and still working full time. Still
1: working full time. Um, so I never stopped. I've been a single mom um, and then was, you know, met my son's father when my daughter was two. And so we um, were together for about 10 years and, um, of course, then became a single mom again. And so through the process, I will tell you, I'm going to kind of go into a little bit of my story just naturally. But, um, so March 1st, 2020, my dad passed away. Okay. March 17th, 2020, got married, um, with my son's father that I had been with for a very long time. Um, March 21st, found out I had a masticized brain tumor, um, It was in macroadenoma. So April 17th um, started radiation. And then June, it had grown another centimeter. So I went from losing my dad, getting married. My dad died on my true story. My dad died on the day of my bridal shower. And we were at Rayo's Bakery here in Beaumont and ended at 4. My mom called at 8.30 that she thought my dad had just passed away. So long story short, it was a really rough year.
0: Mm -hmm. It was a really rough six weeks. It was a really Mm -hmm. rough
1: six weeks. And uh, life just kept going. Well, I had to bring this full circle. I had already applied to the doctorate program in January. Okay. And I got accepted. Well, Come hell or high water, I wasn't not going to go. Right. My dad was excited I was going. I told him I was getting my doctorate. Like, I was not going to stop getting my doctorate. Right. So even through all of that, I still pursued it. Yeah.
0: That is inspirational. I mean, you, That I mean, the definition of intrepidity, uh, you just kept going. Kept going. Regardless of what life kept tossing your yeah. way. Uh, I, I hope... That you show your kids this. Uh and I'm, I'm sure they know your story, but to hear you tell it this way, I mean, you tell it with empowerment. That's uh that is impressive. Um what else? Is there anything else that you can think of from that period, March and April, that was impactful that, that caused you to take note and have a memory specifically in that time frame? Was there any other events that happened?
1: So, not within that specific time frame, but the whole from then until about January of last year has been pretty rough. um so I graduated my IP, well with my doctorate I defended my dissertation June the seventh of last year um, what is this twenty three twenty four twenty four no. All of my days are running together um, June in 2022, okay. graduated at the end. So um, in 2020, um, after my initial brain surgery, uh, I was in the hospital for about four weeks in ICU. I developed diabetic and which is diabetes of the brain. Mm-hmm. So my body started dumping all 32 secretions. Um, and that was not expected. I was only supposed to be in there for about five to six days. Gosh. And then came home, uh, regrouped. Still kept doing my doctorate. Would I told my professors that I would just be delayed, but I would get make up my work. Um, in September, they I had I was leaning over. We were home from COVID, and I was working at Westbrook at the time as an assistant principal. Okay. And I was leaning over my keyboard on a Zoom, and I had water pouring from my nose onto my keyboard. So I was like, something is not right. What is this? And it was, uh, I went back to the doctor because it kept happening and I had intracranial hypertension. So I had developed a brain leak. It's about a nickel size hole in my sphenoid right here. Uh, The graft did not take. Mm. And so we literally within two days, I was back in the emergency room. They took my stomach, patched the middle of my brain and um, was in ICU for another 11 days. So came home waited about four weeks, but back to work, still doing my doctorate, still being a mom, not being able to lift anything more than a paper plate, couldn't bend over to brush my teeth, couldn't do anything that allowed my brain to go down because everything had to stay level so that the suction would not, and I couldn't spit, couldn't sneeze, nothing. Um, so that was, that was recovering in December, um, December had felt like I had some pressure uh, in my, in my brain. I kind of felt it in the back of my eye, kind of put it off uh, until February and went back in February and did all the scans and I had a leak. So had surgery again, they were in there for five hours to find it. Um, I had five, two millimeter holes in the canal right above the canal in the brain. And so they took my earlobe, And they patched the two-millimeter holes in my brain. I was in ICU again for about seven days at that point. And all the while, being a mom, working full-time, getting my doctorate, and doing my best to be a wife. And uh, recovered. I'd never even really dealt with the grief of my dad. Yeah. Because I didn't have time. So I think all of that, the anger... um, just the resentment of not being able to be there for my kids, having to lay flat, you know, having to sleep at a, like in a recliner, it just, it all sucked, Mm. all sucked. Um, So then fast forward to December, right? So I was working at, I will not say what elementary, I was a high, I was an elementary principal. Uh, My husband was a high school baseball coach Mm. and I was told to keep my head on a swivel superintendent at the time, to keep my head on a swivel. She had heard rumors, didn't know if they were true, but I needed to keep my head on a swivel. Um, Did not know what that meant, but went into Christmas break with that conversation in the back of my mind. Um, Over the Christmas holiday, I found out that my husband was having an affair with the head softball coach in our district. And... I will tell you that, um, after all of that adversity and knowing like at that moment, I probably failed at being a wife, um, was super emotional for me. And I think that, um, I used it as fuel. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Divorce was final six months after that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And still, it was wonderful because through my divorce shortly after is when um, I defended my dissertation. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like my doctorate gave me purpose through such a very horrible season of my yes. life. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow! Yeah. Thank you. Well, uh, I I'm thoroughly impressed. It's not right. and no, you have it's no reason to be sorry whatsoever. I I want to add this, and I, with your permission, I hope you'll you won't mind. If you if you mind, I'll cut this out. But I'm proud of you. Thank like you. that's amazing, and you didn't fail as a wife, according to the the story you told. Okay. Uh, I didn't hear any failure
2: anywhere. Did you? No. And I get that people may feel those things, but being on the counselor side of those conversations, when I learn that people do the things that your husband did, that's a predisposition. That's no other person can create that in an individual. That's something that's already in the either the discipline to say no or the lack of discipline to permit. That was already there before you even got there. That's how it works. And so, and I know that you know that. Uh, But in the middle of it, you're thinking, I'm a doer. So doers look for results. So if this this is a result, it must be. Uh, a product of something that I'm doing or not doing it's only natural you know mm-hmm. but and I'm, I'm telling that to a person but I'm also telling that to someone who influences you know you, you were a, are an educator of course your mother first then an educator and then now you're in an industry maybe we'll get to that later too well it's more opportunity to tell people that's not how it works you know
0: I want to bring something out of your story uh that, that fascinates me He says you're a mother first. You were a daughter first. Yeah. And the fascinating thing that happened with you and for you is that your father disciplined you Mm -hmm. and that created this behavioral pattern of discipline. And that discipline pattern is what brought you all the way to where you sit now, to hold that doctorate in your hand, to have completed what you set out to complete if you hadn't had if he hadn't imparted that discipline yeah. into you which you may you, you alluded to something earlier that you were going to do it right with yours and i'm going to say that i don't think it was necessarily done wrong
1: yeah it's mm. good
0: uh i think that you're going to do it your way mm-hmm. but i think he did right by you thank you uh and i mean looking at the results mm-hmm. i'm also a doer and the results look like You made it here. (laughs) Uh, You had the choice not to. uh, But... That is thoroughly inspirational and impressive. Uh, that's that's amazing.
2: It is amazing. Um, the mo- one of the most impressive thing we're kind of in the people. I guess all three of us are in the yeah. people business. <laughs> is, is seeing how people address the most subjective things as opposed to objective. I mean, mm-hmm. which you know, I, like you chose to pursue your education and then subjected yourself to whatever whatever was going that course was going to be. Yeah. And to see people embrace the subjective things of life is just amazing. And and. That is success by whatever definition people give it is the result of that, and so we often will, we'll get to that conversation later on. But uh, that's that to me is what it is, yeah. and so that's the reason you weren't going to quit. I'm not going to quit, no. you know. And you negotiated part of the subjectivity is you negotiated with your professors and said, you know, don't count me out. Just I may be a little delayed, right. and obviously they they a word you used when we first met a little while ago is grace, yes. and they graced you that ago, okay. Yeah, because
1: provided all the doctor's notes and they thought I was like crazy.
2: <laughs> well, we're sitting there listening, and so is our our audience, and going, "What is that?" You're using words people have no idea what that is until you describe the symptoms, and then they're getting a little glimpse of it. And it, it I, one of the interesting things about that, we don't have to say too much on your medical, but were these graphs, yeah, you know, they use up your stomach. I've got your to ear something about that. Yeah, so. You know,
0: all of us say things in jest, joking about our appetites, but you, of all people, can think with your stomach. True story. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> that's when you true. get a, a craving, it's because you're, you yeah. know, you're yeah. actually literally
2: yes. yeah. thinking yeah. with your stomach. Okay, <laughs> stay with that sarcasm. And when I say I hear you, I hear. yes yeah. yeah. My ears is in I my hear, head. I hear you in my brain. <laughs> literally. I literally hear you. So good. Yeah. You, yes, you think with your stomach. That's awesome. That's awesome. I couldn't, I couldn't miss you that know, opportunity. That. Sorry. Right. I'm sure I'm not oh, the first. funny. Uh, the
1: first I've ever heard that, so yes, you're
2: the first. Oh, well, you have full permission to use yeah. it. I mean, it's, it's a great one. <laughs> so how long did you uh, stay in academics, was, in the academic world? So
1: I was in education for, um, if you count my private school years, a total of 13. Okay. I was in education for 13. Uh, loved it. You know, I think I did every aspect of it, uh, from being a P teacher coach to being in the classroom, to teaching pre p to being an administrator, to doing CTE, sped all of it. All of it. So, yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, and then there was transition. Yes. So tell, tell us about that.
1: So, um, I love, so I'm all in. Okay. And you mentioned a little bit earlier about when you do the smallest of tasks, you do them to the exponential infinity. As far as it it, can be done. Same way. Okay. Uh, I'm a type A, I'm a Enneagram one, everything is extra, i extra. And being a principal is, there's no different. Um, I'm for my people all the time. Hmm. And when my brain is I'm sleeping, I'm not sleeping. I'm thinking about all of the kids and the teachers and the parents and the superintendent. I mean, I'm thinking about all of the community, um, because it was, definite purpose I felt that my job was my identity um and at that point it was my identity it was everything about who i was and so my kids took a back seat to my school district kids because i was always with my kids um so high school principal means that you were at sporting events it means that you were at away events it means that you were at UI events it means you're at cheer childs it means you were at uh, drill team traps. You were at everything, right? Band UIL. It doesn't matter. You're there. Mm-hmm. And my daughter is, uh, she's, she's in seventh grade now, but I knew she was about to start playing school sports and she is the athlete. I never was. She's awesome. She's absolutely incredible. And I'm not saying that because I'm her mom. I'm not saying that because anybody in Southeast Texas can tell you she can go. That's so, awesome. Um, she can go. She's incredible at basketball. She's a guard. She's fantastic. And uh, she looked at me in March of last year after I had a Mission Nationals for Little Dribblers and she said, I hate your job. Wow. And at that point, I knew that she was starting to build resentment. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just started praying. It's like, Lord, there has to be a season of transition. I don't know if it's for a short time, I don't know if it's for a long time, but it has to be enough time that her heart can soften again because I need to be present for her yes. as a mother. And I, you know, I was laying there and I was just like, these high school kids, uh, they love me and they know that I'm there for them. But in 10 years, when they're talking about their football game, they're going to say nothing about their high school principal being at their game. Ever. Right. But my daughter, Mm. in 10 years, when she talks about her childhood, will know that I was not at her games. Yes. And so I started praying for transition and was met with an opportunity to go into industry okay. and uh, decided to go that route. So it's been about seven months, and I am learning all the things industrial.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. And
0: for our audience out there, she works for a very large um, equipment rental company, uh, just so that you guys know what, what she means by in industry. Mm-hmm. And they serve our petrochemical industry and construction industries and uh things like that. So how is that in comparison? That's a huge change huge
1: I change. Mean, so
0: you went from public to private.
1: I did. you know, it is so different um as far as just the context in which I'm doing um, but in reality, the content the content of organizational management is the same yeah yes. so You know, I think one of the most amazing things about going and getting my um, doctorate in organizational management is I learned so many case studies with various kinds of organizations. Right. Mm -hmm. My case studies were on the post office and V8s and hospitals and um, plants and all the things. And so whenever you go into an organization, you either see it led from a bottom up approach or top down approach. Yes. There's only two ways ways to lead. So in reality, Leadership and organizational structure. Just because it is public to private, is not is not too different. Yeah, you're still dealing with people, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, if you can understand people mm. and the processes in which people work, and motivators and encouragement to get them to do what they need to do, it really doesn't matter what industry you're in. Right. And I do feel that all of the different hats that I had to wear in education. Mm. Uh, I'm 35. Mm. Right. And in 35 at 35 almost maxed out my education career. So to come to an industry now where I'm learning again is very humbling, right? Mm-hmm. But it is also inspiring to me because at first I was super not I was so um, not confident because I was like, oh my gosh, it's so different. But then, longer I'm in it, I'm like, oh, I've got this, mm. right? Yeah. Because you're doing so many different things in education constantly. You're a counselor. And then you're, you know, an investigator for the police office. And then, I mean, you're all the things, right? So <laughs> at this point, I'm like, I can do this. Yes. Emotionally, this is not taxing.
2: No, no yes. not at all. Okay. I can go home.
1: Yes. So can you're going to take your brain yes. yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you don't yeah. have to take it with you.
2: Right. I don't have to yeah. lay there at night and worry about kids. Yeah. Yeah. So and there's
0: gonna- no ceiling.
1: No, you don't. can
0: climb that ladder, and yeah. until you're, you decide yeah, that's when right. you're finished. That's right. Yeah,
2: that, that it, uh, I don't know why it strikes me as kind of funny. We just listened to uh, your journey going from uh, a a student, a, a a child, if you will, and this whole weird social environment and you overcame that and then you overcame, uh, all these other pursuits and, uh, uh, including, you know, relationship issues and then, uh, professional issues. And then you walked into this industry and just for a moment, it sounded like you were saying, you know, I was intimidated. I'm like, you really, <laughs> where would that come okay, so from?
1: True story. Y'all. I was there for maybe 30 days and my RVP, my regional vice president was our interim dm for a little bit and one day he called me called me at the wrong moment and i like almost started crying he goes what is wrong with you (laughs) he goes what is happening i was like i just don't know what this is and he goes i i hired you just to be who you are yes i need you to bring your leadership capacity to what we're doing i just need you to be you i don't need you to adapt to what we're doing i need you to bring what you have here and at that point, like confidence came back and I was on.
2: There was it on. is. Yeah.
0: Took you a big old deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> like, he
1: said I can do it. I I'm can a do big
0: it. girl again. I got he to. He said the right things. Yeah. Listen to that. That it? sounds good like and- you got good, good leadership. Yes, yes.
1: definitely. Good. That's good. Yeah. Good. But you know that, um, we talked about a little bit about the purpose and that pursuit of your own passion, right? So I still has to mean something to me. Yeah. Something I'm doing has to have purpose yes. for me. And I still had to uh, kind of develop that within myself still. So I took all of the things that have happened in the last three years, and I just started writing. Okay. So I um, have published four YouVersion devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app. Mm-hmm. And literally just kind of told my story that way, but not my story. Um, I've done it from a very biblical approach on in the, the scriptures that helped me get to where I am and how to overcome. And so that for me is my, still my calling, right? So instead of my identity being as a principal, my identity is not a principal, but I do believe personally that my identity is in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I've been able to restructure my mindset and still take my identity and now do something purposeful Mm -hmm. with what I've gone through and try to use it to navigate that way.
0: I love the illustration you used and, and it's actually what we practice here. Uh, we strive to inspire people to pursue their purpose and reinvent themselves constantly mm-hmm. throughout their lives. And that's what you have now learned that you can do. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what exact pursuit you're in. That's right. You, it comes from the inside, that's right. not from your surroundings. That's, that's very
2: impressive. I've noticed with uh, a lot of our guests that... Um, kind of like with your writing, ministry is where you find it. Mm-hmm. We it's not so classic to be, you know, in a pulpit or or leading a, a study. It can be. Mm-hmm. But it's really wherever you find it. Like even as a teacher. That's right. I wasn't educated for years, and that's the way I looked at it, you know. And I may not be sharing scripture, but I'm sharing character. That's right. And the same thing happens in these counseling offices with with Robin. I work counseling and coaching. They're getting the principles, you know, whether they actually get the quote, you mm-hmm. know. So that's awesome. Could yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. And I think you're going to bring that more and more because you're already asking, you're already reaching out, and you're calling in your own thoughts and prayers for that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to come and it's going to come through of all places, this industrial company that you work for. It's going to be pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It's going to be, it's going to be a neat experience. It's probably already happened, but yeah. Well, something amazing about this,
0: you, while you are unique in that you have this amazing composite of experiences, you're not alone. Uh, a lot of the things you've experienced, while there may not be another single person that's had everything that you've had happen, each of your experiences has the ability to help mm-hmm. someone else. And it sounds like you're finding that ministry through sharing that.
1: I am. And not only that, but um, one of the things that I do love the most is I heard a saying one time, and I think it was Rob, I was reading a book by Robert Morris, and he said that because my experiences look different than yours, to do not uh, minimize yours. Yes. And so if I'm going through major storms, but you're still going through minor storms, you're still storming. Mm-hmm. And so I what I try to encourage people and to communicate to people is because your problems don't look as big as someone else's doesn't mean that you should belittle your problems. Yeah. Because they still feel big to you. Yes. And if they still big to you feel big to you, then you still need to... Do whatever self work or whatever work you need to do to still overcome that. Right. 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 Um so validation mm-hmm. and what people are going through no matter what they're going through. That's right. right.
0: And perspective, I mean, yeah. the minor what may look like a minor storm to somebody else, the one that's experiencing it, that may be the most major storm. Major. Mm-hmm. It may mm-hmm. it may feel like the their world has just ended. That's right. right. Uh that's right. so I mean.
2: You you stated that. I remember uh, all three of us have all been coaches on some level, and uh, I was of course, coaching teams that had little to no talent, but that's okay. They were good people, good, good boys and girls. They showed up, they showed up, they suited up.
1: That character development.
2: That's right. And, uh, but that being said, uh, I remember one of the parents kind of complaining, we weren't winning. And I go, you, you realize it's not about that. And I go, well, of course it is. And I said, no, it isn't. It's about teaching these young people how to adult using a stupid sport. It's just a sport, you know? So these, even in industry, Mm -hmm. you know, like at the end of the Day, you're not going to do this for the rest of your life. You will retire, mm-hmm. but what are you going to, what are you going to take from it? And what are you going to give back to it? Right. And it is about people. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, all of the books that I know all three of us read and consume, It, it's not about the industry itself. That's a portion. And so it really wasn't about basketball. And that was my sport as well. Basketball. It was about people. And, and they're all, as far as I know, when I run into my former players you know, they're all doing pretty well, I'm mm-hmm. like, now I know I I don't think it was all about what we did. I think it was a portion, you know. So you know, paying it forward, if you will. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's what's going to happen there too. These people are going to end up coming. You're just like you're on the on the phone with your boss. Somebody's going to be on the phone with you if it hasn't already happened, and they're going to have their little breakdown moment. And you, and the, it's going to kick in. You're going to ask these effective questions, and they'll be like, oh, "I never thought about that." And I'm like, "Yeah," and and I don't know how you would do it. In my mind, I'd be like, "You're welcome." Yeah, so, but. I don't know that I would be that sarcastic no, straight up front entirely.
0: Entirely, that's right. That's right. So, what do you want to do next? What's the next incarnation? What's the next pursuit for Tara?
1: So, I, um, you know, obviously, my day job is my day job, and I think that everybody should have one, you know, <laughs> in some capacity, right? Some of you work, right? If your brain gets bored, if you have, if you're yeah. idle but my own personal goal is I really do want to open my own childcare facility here in -hmm. the area. Um, I've looked at, we have so many, so many, uh, families that are on wait lists. Right. And Mm -hmm. I just think the quality of education, the quality of care, uh, we could do better. Mm -hmm. And so for me, uh, I, my passion, I've said it for, I I don't know, five years so far is I would love to have a childcare facility, uh, that is clean efficient and provides excellent customer service to our families and that they can trust. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we do need more of those in our area. Yeah. So that's, that is the goal, uh, you know, timeframe on that, praying about it, looking at it, seeing what is going to manifest from that. But um that is the goal. And for me just to continue writing, Uh, I've done a series of three and another series of three, and then just to work on, continue to build generational wealth for my kids. I think that's the number one goal, uh, for them. I did not come from anything. And so for me is whenever I, I think that you're supposed to, as a parent, break chains and so one of the goals that I have is to continue working so that whenever it's my turn to pass everything on, I can pass something on. Right? Yes. I know that when my dad passed, he passed nothing on, right? And that's into no fault of his. Mm-hmm. But you learn from those things, and you learn from those experiences. And so with my kids, I want to be able to lead them with something. Yeah. Can
0: I argue with you a little bit?
1: Yeah.
0: Your dad passed something on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. And yes. then, I mean, I'm going to be a little... uh as the British would say, cheeky about this, but you have right now, you are, you are collecting interest, accruing interest on some generational wealth that you don't even realize that discipline. And then you've already said you're passing it on. So that is going to produce compound upon compound interest. Uh, You took the best parts of what your dad could give you, what your mom could give you, and you built on it already. So you you didn't come from nothing, uh, according to what I see sitting here at the table with me. And I think our audience is going to agree with everything I've said. And I'm pretty sure Chuck's going to have the same (laughs) uh, outlook on that. So I hope that doesn't, you know, contradict your
1: thought process too much. much, I love the mindset and the reframing. Uh, I always think that it's the way you frame it. Right. (laughs) So I love that you said it like that um, because it. It's a reframing of the mind.
2: I hope you'll own it like that. I appreciate that. In in your best, most educator fashion, uh, tell us your thoughts on failure.
1: It's inevitable.
2: Okay. Uh, You will fail. Okay.
1: Right? But you always learn through adversity Hmm. and failure. Always. And every failure... There is something to take from that, but you have to be willing to take it. And if you're not willing to take it, but you still want to be the victim through your failure, or you still want to um, project off of yourself, yeah. then those tools that you could learn from will not be as effective. So you have to take the failures and you have to transition them into ways to be victorious that's what i think
0: from
2: victim to victorious
0: and you're doing it yes you. you've had plenty of opportunity from from your story to carry that victim's mantle yeah. and you're not so that's good Thank you. very good so on that note mm-hmm. are you a success
1: i'm working to be a success
0: that's a good answer working
1: mm-hmm. i think that Success will be what I leave. Okay. Um, The way that I make people feel, the energy I leave behind, the way that my kids speak of me. Um, But I do think I, in the same token, right, that's my very perfectionism brain that's speaking. But in the same sense, spiritually, I know that the way that the Lord looks at me as a success. And so I have to scribe on my heart the same words that he says about me. And so I think that that's a daily journal and a daily process Mm -hmm. is to learn what you are and own those things um, outside of your own perfectionism brain because mine has that.
0: So (laughs) do other people, do do you think other people view you as a success?
1: I would say probably. Probably. Uh, to some extent of somewhere, uh, it depends on what maybe they could also look at me as a failure in some areas. I think it probably would depend on, (laughs) on who you asked.
0: Well, what if the people around you in authority that you work for have already told you that they view you as a success and you just kind of skimmed over it (laughs) so so that you could say you're just a work in progress, Uh but you're not just a work in progress. The works in progress are the successes. Yeah. it's good.
2: Own it. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. a there's a definitely through all of those things, uh, childhood, and then, like I said earlier, not to re- be uh, repetitive, but relationship, and then personal health, and all those things. Mm-hmm. That, that boss that you have now seemed to allude to that. He goes, "I didn't hire you to know exactly. Energy. I hired you because of what you bring. That's your... I use the word system. I like the word system. I've developed a s- system of overcome, whatever it is, you know, physical health or you know, weariness or whatever it is, you know, relationship stuff. But you know, somehow, some way, and of course, faith is a huge component. And yes. I'm glad you mentioned that. And based on what you said, he told you to. We want
0: you to make our place reflect you. Yes. What bigger compliment could you receive?
1: Yeah. It's good. So thank you.
0: Yeah, no. Thank you. I mean thank you. Uh, I think that's that's amazing. And uh along that line, um what it, what is your legacy? What is Tara's legacy? You or what would you like it to be?
1: So my name in Hebrew means strong tower. Hmm. So I would love to leave it with just strength. Um
0: Think you're on your way. Yeah. Indeed.
1: So whatever that looks like. Yeah.
0: I think this is Straight. what it looks like. Yeah. That's it.
1: And I, you know, it's funny is I talk about uh, my father a lot, but he had so much grit. And excuse my French, but he always said, you've got shit in your tank. <laughs> he always told me that. And he said, I ain't got to worry about none of them. Or I know I got to worry about all them girls because he had eight. All of them girls. But I know I don't have to worry about you. Wow. And so I take that and I took that to heart. And so for me, um, I used his words as like fire and i fire and brimstone, right? But I do think about that. And I do know that he meant that. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to kind of live up to that. And so I think that I'm I'm hoping that I'm doing a, a decent job with that. Yeah. So
0: well from this side of it, it looks like you are indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, thank you. So If, if you had a—this is something that I do in every episode, okay? Um, if you could go back in
1: time—you've
0: mm-hmm. been through a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. In a short time, by the yeah, way. Yeah,
1: I know. it. Tell but if you it. could
0: go back in time to your younger self, uh-huh. I don't know what age exactly, but let's say 15, 16, maybe 17, okay. high school, and you could give yourself a message— to give that you that you could carry with you as you approach this point, what would you whisper in your own ear?
1: It's okay to just be yourself.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, that is. You know, I don't know if it would surprise you or not, but a shocking number of people who have sat where you're sitting have said almost the exact same thing. Successes from all different walks of life, all different industries, all different backgrounds, all different ages. That message seems to ring true. Among the highest thinkers in our society. Yes. So they count
2: yourself among the among yeah. the greats. In it that in it, it there's so much truth in that they have seen and maybe not in when they were young because you know all we know was what's around us. But as they got older and kept getting put to the test and overcoming those trials and tests, uh, they begin to realize it's what's in here, you know, which is basically what you just said. You know, and be being true to self. And uh, and once one and once it clicked, and this is I'm. I'm thankful. I mean, it's a. It again. It's a. It's a subjective question. We just ask the question. It's how. It's. It's the guest per, uh, perception. But it, as Rob alluded to, it's so interesting the consistency mm-hmm. and it, because people are invited because of their story yeah. because they are overcomers and they have all discovered that same source. Yeah,
1: You a- is- you try so hard to fit, mm-hmm. and you're forcing the square peg into a round hole. But when you just realize that it's okay, like to just be square, <laughs> you you realize that you really can fit into any doorway, right? I mean, it, you just be yourself.
0: Yes. Yes. So I'm going to ask you a different question, something I've never asked a guest before. Okay. Because I have an opportunity with you that we haven't had before. If you could give a message to a particular demographic, mm-hmm. single moms. Or single moms to be. Is there any word. Like I'll give you a for instance. And this is very personal. uh, I I have a daughter. Who's 19. Who is pregnant. And she's rightfully scared. Uh, And then there are plenty of other. Women out there. Going through that. You know circumstance. Is there any message you'd like to give to them. Because you've. You've been through it.
1: Yeah. Um you're worthy. You're still worthy. And we find that we lose a lot of our own self-worth because it feels like almost a sense of abandonment. And women need security more than anything else. And so when you don't have the security, you you ask yourself when you reflect on yourself as to what you did wrong. But in reality, I think that you have to realize that you're worthy enough for what could go right. And so, uh, again, framework, repositioning the mind to remind yourself that it could be God saving you for something that wasn't meant for you. And it's okay to release and it's okay to let go and it's okay to rebuild. Uh, And then another word I do have is intentionality, because as a single mom, you do have to be more intentional. And you have to be more intentional about your emotions because you have a lot going on. And so you have to reframe your mind constantly um, to stay positive and to do it the right way, say it the right way. And you can't do it by yourself and you can't do it with just going through your day with 500 million things and not taking the time to spend 30 minutes to renew your mind through with whatever intention that looks like, but you have to take the intention to do it.
0: You said something really interesting. You said the right way, but what I heard, my interpretation of what you were saying, was your way, your own way, not the way of someone else the way telling of- you or judgmentally no, I looking mean, at you. You
1: have, you know, you you have the way your parents do it. You have the way your ex husband or whatever made you single do it. You have the way that society tells you to do it. You have the way that books tell you to do it. But what is it that's natural for you?
0: Yes.
1: And then you have to own that, <laughs> and you have to be okay with that. <laughs> But first, to be okay with it, you really have to know what that is and what your own way is. I mean, before I became a single mom, I don't even think I could tell you how I liked my eggs. <laughs> Seriously.
0: That's profound.
1: And I now I know I like my eggs over medium. But I would have never known that. If the I was, best way. I mean, right? <laughs> but you have to take the intention yeah. and figure it out yes. your own way.
0: Yeah, That's powerful. That's yeah. very good. Very good. Very good. So one more because questions create more questions what would you tell to the young women of this world that are on the cusp of adulthood you know i asked you what would you say to yourself what would you tell them because you i mean you've got messages that are very profound and powerful uh you spoke to the young mothers to be or young mothers now these young ladies are are making those choices that are going to bring them to or through whatever. Is there a message that you'd like to give them?
1: Yeah. My same message is still, you are worthy. You are worthy of the best thing for you. And I think oftentimes, especially in society, we settle, uh, young ladies, we settle, we go for whatever gives us the first amount of attention. And instead of really looking at your own core values and checking those off, be intentional still about what you want out of your life. And does this action that I'm doing right now, it's going to have a consequence, whether it be negative or positive, is it going to get me where I'm going or is it going to hinder me from where I want to go? And so I think we don't ask those things enough. I think that we found our validation and what we look like and who we are and what, you know, our social media accounts look like and all of those things. But we need to be very practical. And then also, too, um besides just knowing your worth, having pride in who you are, like have dignity. If you don't have dignity in yourself, no one else is going to have their perception of dignity for you either. So being able to identify that.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's some powerful stuff there. Very, uh, and you're the first opportunity that we've had for me to, to ask those particular questions. So I appreciate your perspective and thank you for sharing
2: that. Mm-hmm. Chuck, have you anything else to ask? We're no, closing now. No more questions. Uh, just thank you. Thank you for your authenticity. and your, Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you're very, uh, just authentic and direct and assertive and um, just speaking to our audience as a whole, but definitely I, I appreciate Rob's questions there at the end. You embraced them well, because uh, I, I, In our industry, we do get a lot of people struggling with finding themselves starting all over as single people, single dads and single moms. And uh, I think they got lost in some of the identity they thought they were going to have, and they lost their own personal identity. So excellent. It is excellent message. Excellent challenge. Thank you, Tara. Well, Tara, is there anything else you'd like to say?
1: No, I'm appreciative.
0: Well, we are appreciative of you. And uh, it's been a great episode. Thank you all for joining us today. We appreciate you allowing us to become a part of the pursuit of your purpose. Again, I'm Robbie. I'm Chuck, And we've had with us. Tara. And she has been a wonderful guest. Y'all have a great day.